And the Pharisees and Sadducees came. And to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Father, as we come to your word, we ask for insight and knowledge. Jesus tells us that he is going to send a helper to help us understand these things. And so as we are looking at this gospel, would you help us to understand what is going on so that we may be able to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every day, it seems, at least to me, there are more ways to get information. New people to teach us something. Somebody to influence us. I was thinking about this going throughout history of the times of Jesus up until now of all of the different ways that communication or the mass production of communication has changed. For Jesus, uh, letters would have circulated. This was Paul's way of getting information around, was letters being circulated. Or people preaching. But as history goes on, we know about the Gutenberg Press, right? But even that was still pretty limited in the mass production because it took quite a while. But then from there, we see that continue to change and grow. Well, now we don't need to send letters, but we can fax things to people. 
but the fax machine became pretty irrelevant pretty quickly as email then became popular, and as we could look for things online. But before that, there was the radio, wasn't there? We could hear things on the radio, and then we could watch things on TV. But as time continues on and the internet continued to expand, what did we see? We saw things like social media start to pop up. Where now, we can receive information and be influenced by people's teaching through articles. We can read an article about some political thing and then see that it was Alligator Joe who produced it and 500 people have liked his article. But not just the mode of information, the length of information, the length of influence, where now we can go on Instagram and watch a 60-second to 30-second thing where somebody is teaching you something new, and of course they have authority over it because they have a million followers. And so what they've said in 30 seconds is absolutely perfect and undeniable. Or you can go to TikTok or YouTube. We have books. We have podcasts. I mean, when you think about all of the ways that information is released into this world and how we may be influenced and taught, it is absolutely staggering. I remember the days when I would wake up and I would come downstairs to get ready for school and the first thing I would hear is either the radio for the news or the TV was on for the news. Information constantly being given to us. We're constantly being taught and influenced. And here's what I believe Jesus is trying to communicate to us this morning. This is the, the big idea of this message. Jesus wants you to be careful who you learn from. Let me say that again. Jesus wants you to be careful who you learn from. And we're going to see this unfold for us in two ways this morning. Verses 1 through 4, we're going to see how the blind continue to get blinder. And we will see then, in verses 5 through 12, how Jesus brings clarity. Jesus wants you to be careful who you learn from. So let's look at the first point here. The blind getting blinder, verses 1 through 4. We see in verse 1, and the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. This is the second time that Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees. This is the second time that Jesus is being tested by the, the Pharisees and being asked by the Pharisees to give him a sign. But this time instead of it just being the Pharisees 
which if you look back a little bit earlier in Matthew, you'll see that. Look back to Matthew 12. This is where the first test is. The Pharisees bring somebody with them this time. They bring the Sadducees. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees want to see a sign. They, they want to test the Lord. Although Scripture tells us and has told them, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, for whatever reason, they think that it's a good idea to put the Lord to the test. I don't know about you, but as I read this, I can't help but chuckle, especially if you just look at chapter 15 and you see the signs that Jesus is doing. If we, we, we look at just above chapter 16, we'll see that Jesus just finished feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves. And here we have the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees strutting up to Jesus, working their stuff out, coming to him and saying, show us a sign. One important thing that we need to understand in this is who the Pharisees and Sadducees are. We're seeing the tension of Jesus' teaching only continue to rise as we are now seeing two sworn rivals coming together to test Jesus. It's let me, let me illustrate it like this for us. Let's just call it what it is. The Packers stink this year. And again, the Bears stink this year too. Two rivals. It would be as if they said to one another, let's partner up. We're losing we're, we know we're losing. And the only option we have is to partner up. You see, you have the Pharisees who are these religious legalists. And you have the Sadducees who are these atheistic, at best deistic, who don't believe in the resurrection or spiritual beings, but rely on their influence and their position of their morality and uh, their financial status in Israel. So you have the religious legalists and atheistic deists who are conservatives, now coming together and saying, we need to put an end to Jesus. These are rivals. The messages that these two groups of people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, that they are proclaiming to people are two totally different messages. And yet... They're coming together for one common cause, to test and trap Jesus. 
blind are getting blinder. They've already asked Jesus for a sign, and Jesus has already given multiple signs, and yet the Pharisees and Sadducees continue to refuse the signs so much that they've already blasphemed by calling Jesus Beelzebul. They've already said that the only reason why Jesus is doing these signs and miracles is because he himself is Satan. He's casting out demons because he is a demon. So what test are they looking for? What sign are they looking for that they haven't already seen? What's happening to the Pharisees and Sadducees is that they are continuing to get blinder and blinder and their hearts are continuing to get harder and harder and they are missing the message of Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing this, he says to him, picking up in verse 2, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. I remember growing up as uh, my mom would take us to school. This was a common saying, pink sky at night, sailors delight. Pink sky in morning, sailors take warning. What Jesus is telling them is you're better weathermen than you are theologians. You who are supposed to be the ones who are studying God's word, teaching God's word, proclaiming God's word, and yet you cannot see what's taking place here? You sit in your studies and you search the scriptures and you teach the scriptures and you can't even see what's happening in front of you, but you can tell the crowds when a rainstorm is coming. Think of the irony here. I mean, think about it. If you were to come to church Sunday after Sunday, and the pastor was better at telling you what the forecast was like than helping you understand what Jesus is trying to communicate. This is what's going on. And so the blind get blinder. And Jesus, for the second time, references Jonah. For the second time in his ministry, he points back to the prophet Jonah. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. What is Jesus doing here? What, Ma- what Matthew is trying to show us throughout his ministry is that Jesus is the fulfillment that we long for. 
He's pointing back to Jonah and how Jonah was swallowed up in the belly of the fish and for three days and three nights was in there. But we have the story of Jonah, don't we? We, for the most part, most of us know what happens in Jonah's life. Although he's swallowed up and he's in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, what happens? The fish vomits Jonah back onto shore. And so we see this is the trajectory of Jesus' life. If, if you look at Matthew 12, 40, you get a, a more clear picture. Let me read it for us. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What Jesus is doing here is he's pointing forward to his death and resurrection. He is telling the Pharisees and Sadducees and the disciples who are around, the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. He will die and he will be buried. But on the third day, he will rise again. This is the message that Jesus is communicating. This is the fulfillment that we long for. This is the fulfillment that our hearts need. Peace and reconciliation with God that only happens and is only made possible by Jesus being sacrificed, buried in the ground, and then being vomited out so that through our trust in Him, we would not perish but have eternal life. It's a very sad business that there is no more interaction here with the Pharisees and Sadducees. There's no big climax of the Pharisees and Sadducees going, we get it, Jesus. Why? Because they get blinder as Jesus' ministry goes on. They don't see more clearly. Their hearts get harder and they refuse to believe what Jesus is saying and doing. And so as we move on to then our second point, we see though that as the Pharisees and Sadducees are getting blinder, we see something peculiar happening with the disciples we see that Jesus is actually bringing clarity for them. Let's read on. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring bread. Uh-oh. In Mark's account of this situation, Mark says that they had one bread, one loaf of bread. That's it. This is quite disheartening for the disciples, isn't it? We've, we forgot our Lunchable. 
We only have a loaf of bread. We don't have much. We don't know how much longer that we're going to be on this mission with Jesus. We don't know when we'll have more bread. We've only got one more loaf left. And how are we supposed to divide this one loaf? Or as Matthew says, no loaves. Mark is generous. Matthew is not. We've got nothing to share. We've got nothing to eat. And we have no idea how much longer I can just sit here and imagine Peter recognizing this on the boat and coming to his senses and saying, wait a second, James and John, weren't you supposed to grab the leftover bread? And James and John saying, well, no, I, I thought that was other James's responsibility. Peter, I, I thought you told the other James to, to do that. And the other James saying, no, Peter wasn't looking at me, James. He's looking at you, James. There's no bread for them to eat. They're thinking of their physical needs. But Jesus is thinking about something a lot more different than bread. What's going on here is actually quite humorous if you think about it. It's, it's like when you walk away from a conversation with somebody and your friend sits here, or not sits here, but says to you, what do you think they meant by that? <laughs> and you say back to them, I didn't even hear him say that. I wasn't even paying attention. I don't know, I forgot about it. What, what did they say? This is what's going on here. And, and Jesus is paying attention to the more important thing than the disciples. As Jesus says, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. <laughs> but the disciples are clueless on what Jesus is talking about. It's actually quite humorous. Because they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. Jesus, what are you talking about? We didn't take any bread from the Pharisees and Sadducees. What in the world are you talking about? We have no bread at all. There's nothing in this boat for us to eat. We don't have anything. Now, something important for us to realize is when leaven is talked about in the scriptures, there's, from my knowledge, only one place where leaven is referred to as a positive. It's back in Matthew 13, when Jesus is explaining the kingdom of heaven. Other than that, if you look in uh, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, leaven is seen as a negative thing. When Paul is writing his letter to the Corinthians, he tells them to beware. Because just a little leaven of sin inside of the church can permeate and influence every aspect. When he's writing to the Galatians, he, he warns them as the teaching of Christians need to be circumcised is starting to enter into the church, he is saying, beware, because a little leaven will, love, will, will cause the whole church to rise. A little sin permeated in the church over time will influence it all. But that's not what the disciples are thinking about, is it? Jesus, we didn't bring any bread. We don't have any bread made by the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
And so Jesus rebukes them. Oh, you of little faith. You've been with me how long? And what does Jesus go on to say? Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak of bread? The disciples have already seen two times how Jesus multiplied five loaves, seven loaves to feed thousands of people. And we're told in one case that there was so much bread left over that it filled up 12 baskets that the disciples were able to take. What Jesus is telling them, I can provide for your physical needs. I'm not talking about your physical needs here. I'm not talking about bread that you've received from the Pharisees and Sadducees. How have you not understood this yet? And then he says it again. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And it stops there, doesn't it? Does Jesus explain to them what he means? Do we see Jesus explain to the disciples what he means by the leaven? Two times Jesus tells the disciples to beware and to watch of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And two times he does not tell them what this leaven is. He leaves it open-ended for them to discuss among themselves and to come to the conclusion for themselves. Jesus wants his disciples thinking. He wants them listening to him. He wants them to understand what he is saying. And then here it is. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus is warning the disciples here. He's asking them, who are you learning from? Whose information are you taking in to influence you? The same could be asked for us. Who are you learning from? Whose information are you taking in? Who's influencing you? Here we have two different people teaching two different messages. We have the self-righteous Pharisees who are legalistic teaching the people to obey the commands and then some. If you just do this, this, and this, then you will be closer to God. And you have then the Sadducees, the atheistic deists, who are morally upright, 
and wealthy in society, saying if you just follow the laws of the land, then you too can climb the, the ladder of success. You too can live the Israel dream. Why does Jesus warn his disciples about the Pharisees and Sadducees' teaching? Because Jesus tells us, he tells the crowds when he's giving those seven woes in Matthew 23, that they are hypocrites. They heap burden upon burden upon burden on the shoulders of the people. And so Jesus, he tells them. He tells them, listen to what they are teaching you, but don't practice what they practice, because they don't practice what they preach. They're hypocrites. You see how Jesus brings clarity? Do you see how as the disciples are with Jesus, listening to Jesus, sitting with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus, he brings clarity. And it may not be the first try, as we saw, but there's still clarity that ends up happening. So as we conclude, I'd like to just ask two questions. Are you getting blinder to the message? Are you hearing the gospel message and continuing to get blinder and blinder and harder and harder? Or are you growing in clarity? Are you growing in understanding? How tempting it is in the 21st century to listen to a 60-second Instagram reel. Turn on the news and watch a five-minute quick debate. Look at a 10-minute YouTube clip. Read a three-minute article post on Facebook. Take in information and then be influenced, never once asking yourself, I wonder what Jesus thinks about this. Never growing in clarity of what Jesus is saying. It's interesting how the self-righteous moralistic ones continue to get blind to the message and yet it's the disciples although slow like us are continuing to grow in their understanding. Let me encourage you before we leave. You may read something in Scripture a hundred times 
and be so confused about it that you are tempted to put it down, put it on the shelf, and just give up. Jesus will bring clarity. And through that fight, and through that struggle, and maybe even through him asking again, or saying, I'm not talking about bread, you'll understand, and you'll go, aha, that's what you mean, Jesus. When I was in college, I was, wasn't yet a, a believer. I think I've told this story before. Forgive me if I have. I was playing basketball, and I needed a pick-me-up, so I thought to myself, okay, you know, people say, go to God's Word for a good pick-me-up, so... I went to God's Word, and I found in Hebrews 10.35, okay, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So if I just, before I go out on that basketball court, give myself this pep talk, and I just have ridiculous confidence, then there will be a great reward for me. I will be an All-American I will will our team to the national championship and hit the game-winning shot. But before that, I'll have enough confidence to even make the starting rotation. Do you know what? That passage is not about that at all. Because when you read that passage and you know what the author is speaking of, the author is saying, do not throw away your confidence in Jesus. Because it is through Jesus that you will receive a great reward. That came four years after, where every single basketball game and practice, I would quote this verse to me, Therefore, Max, don't throw away your confidence. It has a great reward. And I would go out on the basketball court not understanding what it meant until one day it's about Jesus, not me. Jesus will bring clarity. Just don't give up so fast. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've sent your Holy Spirit so that way we could understand your word. Would you help us to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to fight, to understand, to stick with it, to not give up? For those who are blind, would you allow them to see? Would you soften their hearts and would you lift the veil from their eyes? And for those who are struggling to see Jesus right now, would you bring them clarity? Would you help them to see? Show us, God, right now who is influencing us. Show us if it's Jesus or not. We pray this. In our wonderful Savior's name, amen.